Hello, Cryptonauts. Welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat, where I, your host, brings you amazing interviews like the one we're about to have now with Jake Jabarelli. Um, there's going to be more interviews coming soon as the channel continues to grow. There's more and more folks that are interested in being part of this podcast because it's so amazing, without a doubt, right? So I want to go ahead and give a shout out to all the listeners all around the world and all these different countries. So let's go ahead and start off with the United States. Thank you for listening. Ireland, thank you for listening. Australia, thank you. United Kingdom, thank you. Canada, thank you. Netherlands, thank you. Finland, thank you. Germany, thank you. Singapore, thank you. France, thank you. Chile, thank you. Philippines, thank you. Turkey, thank you. Indonesia, thank you. Argentina, gracias. New Zealand, thank you. Portugal, gracias. Italy, thank you. India, thank you. Denmark, thank you. Israel, thank you. Belgium, thank you. Japan, thank you. Czech Republic, thank you. Dominican Republic, thank you. Austria, thank you. Vietnam, Thank you, Taiwan. Thank you, United Arab Emirates. Thank you, South Korea. Thank you, Switzerland. Thank you, Romania. Thank you, Mexico. Lo agradezco. Norway. Thank you. And to all the countries that have not yet been added to my uh, uh, um, my analytics, I, I want to thank you all as well. So with that said, let's get started with our chat with Jake Chabarelli. Hello, Cryptonauts. Welcome back to another special cryptocurrency episode. Today we have Jake Jabarelli with us. We're going to talk about a few topics today. We're going to talk about Uniswap because it's the hot thing right now. Also, we're going to talk about a few exchanges. We're going to talk about East 2.0. Is it coming soon? Or is it inevitably in the far, 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 far distance? Also, we're going to talk about Bitcoin, Bear, or Bull. All right. So, Jake, how's it going? It's going well, John. Thanks for having me on again. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, thank you for joining my podcast. I really appreciate it. So, with that said, um, let's talk about Uniswap because Uniswap is the thing right now in the market. Yeah. Uh, Uniswap... <laughs> yes, it's it bears uh, talking or you know explaining the concept. Uh, I don't want to uh, run over too much about this, but we there is uh, it's important to let the listeners know pretty much what is the concept behind Uniswap. So to back up, before Uniswap is a token, right? It's based on ETH. It's like an ERC token. Um, but what does it do? What's the point of it? Every single token that's out there, for the most part has a purpose. Uh, Bitcoin is just, you know, a, a coin. But um, what does it do? Well, it's you know, it's a cryptocurrency. Well, what does that do? Well, it's a way of exchanging value, right? So what's Uniswap do? Well, to back up, as I said, um, one of the things that the uh, exchange market, that's any exchange, whether it be Bitcoin to ETH or ETH to Doge or Doge to some random coin um, like Pinkcoin, I used to be, I used to have pink coin. <laughs> um, 
the only way to exchange is to put your coins up on an exchange like Coinbase or Gemini or Binance and mm -hmm. hope that a lot of other people out there want to exchange their coins with you. You know, if they want to exchange, exchange uh, ETH and, and Bitcoin, then you have to hope there's a lot of people who have both coins or at least the other coin that you don't have. Uh, Uniswap is the concept, uh, or at least the concept behind Uniswap is liquidity. Uniswap promotes liquidity, or it literally generates liquidity. Um, in the normal fiat market, if you have uh, a coin or even a product uh, that you want to trade, but there aren't a whole lot of other people interested in trading, then there isn't a lot of liquidity on that thing you're trying to trade. Uniswap creates that, and it does it automatically. So people post Bitcoin and ETH in pairs, or ETH and Doge in pairs, you know, the pair of coins. They post a bunch of that, or they stake a bunch of that coin, and then Uniswap gives them tokens of UNI, UNI Uniswap token. That gives you a, like a recognition or a stake in that pair that you staked that, you know, like, like I said, Bitcoin and ETH or ETH and Doge or something of, something of that sort. The more you stake, the larger the pool, or in this case, a liquidity pool becomes larger. Um, and then you have this massive amount of flexible coin pairs that you can trade with. So Uniswap is that. I hope that's clear to everybody. But as uh, John and I have already figured out, there's a really cool video that we have both watched. I think you watched it, right, John, the, the box mining guy? Yes, yes. Uh, box mining, if you haven't checked out box mining, go to YouTube, type in box mining. He's awesome. He's awesome at explaining how, how Uniswap, how different protocols work. Yes, exactly. And uh, so that's actually kind of how I got my the gist of it. I'm just kind of paraphrasing what he said in one of his videos to explain. But he goes through the whole concept, like the the advent of Uniswap onto right now and how much money he's making off of it. Because after the airdrop for Uniswap, he actually did fairly well. A little bit jealous, honestly. Um, nice. But, uh, uh, but you got some up yourself, didn't you? I mean, I got it from ETH since I mine ETH, but I didn't actually have any coin in Uniswap. I didn't actually get into it. I wasn't, I hate to say this, but I kind of ignore trends when they start up. <laughs> like yeah. I can even say that about Bitcoin. I heard about Bitcoin in, in 2011. I didn't get into it until 2014 um, because I was like, mm -hmm. eh, who cares about that thing? Eh, it's not, I'm not interested in that. But uh, well, same thing with me. I mean, when I, when I heard about Bitcoin, I think I think the way I was approached, and I, I think I spoke to you about this on my on, on the first time we we uh, we did a podcast together was that when I first heard about Bitcoin, it was presented to me in a way that um, it was like an apocalyptic coin. All right, hey, the, the, the American government's going to be shut down. You need to buy Bitcoin, and this guy was just like screaming at me, "Buy Bitcoin!" <laughs> like, well, I mean. <laughs> He technically was right. I should have bought it when he told me because he was literally uh, he was mining off of his laptop at the time, and he was making some pretty good coin. Where did he go now? I don't know. He deleted his Facebook. I'm sure he has a few million dollars worth of Bitcoin by now. But yeah, he, I think he's doing pretty good. So congratulations to that guy. Yeah, some people have the vision. Not all of us do. <clears throat> so in any case, yeah. uh, Uniswap is a token. It's really blowing up right now because it is making liquidity a thing. In the past, liquidity in certain unknown coins, like I said, um, pink coin, which I mentioned earlier, I don't even know if there is a pink to anything um, liquidity pool right now that Uniswap supports, but they definitely support the major coins like ETH, 
and Bitcoin and Chainlink and Doge. I don't remember all the, the pairs that are uh, the more popular pools. Um, but one of the things that I think I wanted to make a point about, which was the reason that Uniswap is taking off right now, is not, so what? A new to token joined the market. Great. Other than liquidity, I mean, what does that mean for you? Well, <laughs> per, per our uh, uh, prior discussion, John and I, that is, uh, we were looking at what's called yield farming. Um, and if and it, it, this is a new, new term. Did you want to say it? Sorry, John, did I? Did you? No, that's the big thing right now. Go ahead. Yeah. So yield farming um, is, you can find these on most of the uh, exchange lists like CoinGecko or um, CoinMarketCap. And if you go to the farm section, it'll show you what the current uh, liquidity pairs or liquidity pool pairs are. Uh, and the excitement that everyone's bringing to is not just this airdrop of coins that people get, got into units when you swap were given uh, you know, when Uniswap debuted, uh, but the interest returns. So I think I may have mentioned this before, but previously on my channel, my YouTube channel, uh, I talked about high yield investment programs and high yield investment programs offer ridiculously high interest rates. Um, usually they talk about them in daily rates, somewhere between, let's say, half a percent and six percent. And normally high yield investment programs are ridiculous. You should never invest in them because they're all scams. They're almost all Ponzi schemes or something of that sort of pyramid schemes. They're basically lying to you. But the interest rates they give you, if you push it out to an annual amount, would be somewhere between 100 and maybe 1,000% annually, which compared to even fiat currencies right now is ridiculously high. Who would ever offer that kind of interest? Well, mm -hmm. <laughs> check out yield farming and you will find interest rates similar. I think, uh, what was it here? I was looking at, uh, all right, here we go. Um, Uniswap Pickle Weth, which is basically a version of ETH and the Pickle uh, mm -hmm. uh, token. And it's currently rated at 2,572% yearly yield. Yeah, um, that sounds impossible, but it's real. It's no longer just a joke. It's not just a scam. They're trying to steal your money. It's a real thing. And the reason for it, as far as I can tell, is because Pickle is not a very popular um, token. Not a whole lot of people trade in it. They're trying to incentivize users to use our platform and they're in return to giving them a higher yield yes. of coin, right? Yes. So if you stake Pickle and ETH in this particular Uniswap pair for that liquidity pool, then you can earn 2,500% annually. I mean, it's hard to even imagine that because like uh, in the fiat market right now, right, because of the downturn right. with, the, with the pandemic, most fiat currency will pay you 2% annually if you're lucky. If that, yeah, yeah, if that, yeah. Another thing is that it, not only the 125% annual yield, you're also earning that, that interest on the coin appreciating in value. Yes. Which can easily go up to a thousand percent easily with cryptocurrencies, easily a thousand percent, just holding it, just hodl. That's why that's that that's my big word right there. It's hodl, hodl, hodl. <laughs> yeah. Get your coin and hold on to it as long as possible. Um, because you never know how high it will go. Uh, I think the people who joined Chainlink uh, what, six months ago were never expecting it to go fifteen hundred percent up. But it did. <laughs> Yeah. So anybody who put ten dollars in there now has one hundred and fifty. Oh, um, same thing with uh, what you're in finance. Yeah, 
your finance went up drastically as well. Yes. Yeah. I um, think it's like a 34,000 right now. It's crazy. Yeah. It's what three times, three and a half times the, the price in, in uh, USD of Bitcoin. Yeah. Crazy. So, yes. A very so high you amount. said, so you said that Uniswap is currently like exploding with all these different tokens being placed onto the, onto the platform. Now the question is, is it, is it likely in the near future or, you know, uh, yeah, in the near future that Uniswap will actually float on itself due to the amount of gas that's, that's being used to make these transactions happen. Considering that gas right now to pay for a transaction fee is so extremely high. People are paying up to, you said, $400 uh, per I transaction. It's actually, when I looked at the East Gas Station last, it was down to 100 Um It yeah. only burst well, up high because of all those people selling off their, their uh, air swap drop. Or Uniswap right. drop, sorry. That's still insane. That's still insane. So for the average person that doesn't have that type of $100 per transaction, that's a lot of money. It's so ridiculous. It seems, like, <laughs> it seems like big bag holders are mainly using Uniswap. Or would you say the everyday person is still using Uniswap? Um, the great thing, in my opinion, about yield farming is you don't have to join a major pool. Now, granted, joining a major pool, per your own example, uh, would more likely allow you to make a trade and get some tokens. But uh, you don't have to join you know, a big ETH uh, BTC uh, liquidity pool. You can join like the Pickle one, like I was giving the example of. Um, and of course, they're of course trying to incentivize people by giving them a huge interest rate on the, on the tokens that they invest. Um, just to just move it now per, to your to your question um, will it implode I don't think it will and this is the thing that I think harkens back to our discussion earlier about uh, you know Bitcoin and why we didn't get into it when it was in the beginning um, we don't necessarily know where it's going to go and if you watch Bitcoin over the last what uh, five years we had that huge peak at the end of 2017 and then a fairly slow decline over many, many months, but then it peaked up again, and then it went down, and then it peaked up again, and we're all already again here back over 10,000 US dollars. Um, it's really, really difficult to definitively predict the market, even with all the charts that exist out there, um, for the long haul. I mean, no one can, even the Oracle of Omaha, Warren, you know, Warren Buffett, no one can do this. So... The thing is to look at it from the standpoint of it's likely to go up over 10 years. Yeah, it's probably going to go up over 10 years. If you just hodl for that long, you'll probably make money. Um, you can always do day trading, but there's no guarantee there. And, and believe me, having done it twice and failed twice, I would not recommend it. Um, it's, uh, I mean, failed big, not failed like, oh, I lost 100 bucks. No, I lost thousands. So right, right, right. unless you're really confident, <laughs> and even then that doesn't guarantee anything. Uh, I would recommend not doing it. But the point I'm trying to get at is that uh, we don't necessarily know where things are going to go, but you can most likely guarantee it's going to be going up over a long period of time. So the right. hodl or hold strategy is a good one. You know, buy now and hold, buy now and hold, buy now and hold. If you can't, you know, if you need that money for living, then you shouldn't probably shouldn't be investing. But um, as far as, yeah, as far as Uniswap goes, um, it seems like a good idea. It's, like it's promoting something that's needed. 
you know, there's been tons of tokens. I mentioned this in the previous podcast, actually, uh, in the past. I, don't remember, I used, uh, actually, mined the Swamp Coin, S-W-A-M-P, Swamp Coin. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what that's used for. They do have a listing on their website uh, for what the purpose is, and that was to make uh, uh, basically investment in Swamp more readily available, you know, for, for people who live in those kinds of areas to promote wildlife in that, in that space. But the coins were so little and nobody seems to interested in trading it. Maybe it just hasn't found its peak yet. Nobody, you know, there's no reason to get into it, but it's like the same thing as Doge. Why trade Doge? It has no, it has no intrinsic value. There's no point in, in, in trading it at all. If anything, it's just for fun. It just, it just happens to have been around for a long time. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned Swamp, Swamp Coin, or just Swamp in general, because that, that, that reminded me of something. I was watching a, a YouTube on uh, Andreas Antonopoulos. If you don't know who Andreas Antonopoulos is and Antonopoulos, uh, for, for the listeners, definitely check out his, his YouTube channel. It's amazing. He provides so much content. Um, he was talking about uh, Ethereum 2.0, and on the back end, there's something called Swamp. I'm not sure how it works, but he was mentioning that, so I wonder if that has some sort of association there. Maybe. Swamp coin is its own coin, but um, it, it's not – I'm not trying to get off topic. I'm just trying to give examples that mm -hmm. if it's not a popular coin – it's probably not going to be very enthusiastic, but liquidity pools can make it a popular coin. And the whole point of coins like Uniswap, which which promote exchange pairs and give them liquidity, automated liquidity, so you don't have to worry about a human actually waiting there and putting in their their order. Um, the the advantage of liquidity kind of forces Uniswap and co tokens like it to be permanently useful. We need liquidity. This is something that was a, a boon to uh, cryptocurrency in general because liquidity was so sketchy before. And now it's been evened out and kind of flattened out and made simple by the Uniswap token and things like it. Uh, other tokens, there's tons of tokens that are like Uniswap, um, but it's promoting the same idea. So until, or let, let's say if, uh, liquidity just became a normal thing, then you might lose value in Uniswap and tokens like it. But because that's not a problem now, it's not an issue. So, so Uniswap has been booming, obviously. We all know that. And exchanges are falling behind. They know that. So that's why they're trying to jump on, on the bandwagon and try to make their own coin and, or trying to adopt um, Unicoin, right? For example, Coinbase. All of a sudden, they came out a few hours later. They said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna put uh, Uni on our exchange." Yep. You know who's who's gonna follow next, right? Well, it's because it blew up so much, right? What we were just talking about this earlier with the huge, huge interest rates. Coinbase, Gemini, and Binance definitely wanted to get get in on that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So it's... um, ETH 2.0. Let's talk about ETH 2.0. I think you should explain what that again. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I think you should explain what is ETH 2.0. Well, ETH 2.0, uh, let's see. To my understanding, the way ETH 2.0 works is that uh, to become a ETH 2.0 node, you need to deposit 32 ETH. Exactly 32 ETH, no more than 32, no less than 32. You need to have 32 to be a, a node. And becoming a node on E2.0, well, E2.0 is a transition from proof of work to proof of stake, right? Right. You stake those 32 ETH on the blockchain 
to be a validator or a transaction validator, right? Yep. And in return, you're going to earn transaction fees for being a validator. Right. Now, currently, there is the Medela testnet that's that's being worked on that's going to help bring a 2.0 into fruition. Currently, the the next stage of ETH 2.0 is considered ETH zero, and then it goes ETH one, and then ETH two. So it's a, it's going to be a long transition over the next three years, from what I understand. Next three years. Right now, November is going to present the the next upgrade to to Ethereum to help transition ETH one into ETH two. So there's going to be several transitions until the ultimate. E2.0 comes into vision and in the next three years. They're saying three years is going to be the ultimate version of E2.0. Yep. So, yeah, I, I, I think all coins do need some green. Well, I mean, we talked about this before, but Bitcoin is fairly stable. And it, I mean, stable in the sense of it's not easy to hack it anymore. And in a the intent, if anything, with upgrading uh, the algorithm for any coin is to keep it from being 51% at attacked. Uh, but that's not what happened with uh, ETH Classic, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, it also dep just depends on how many people have the coin, uh, you know, how many people are mining the coin, how many people are doing the new coin, the new version of the coin. Um, I mean- The, the, thing, the thing with ETH Classic, um, from what I recall, the thing with ETH Classic is that they don't have a lot of miners secured the network. That's why it was so easy to hack. Yep. Not once, not twice, but three times in one month. And the way these hackers did it was simply using, um, oh shoot, what's the, uh, let me see, what was it? Uh, nice hash. They literally used nice hash. Yep, they just bought up a ton of it, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So that's a good thing that uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin doesn't have that issue, at, at least not now. And I doubt that that Bitcoin or Ethereum will ever have that issue with the 51% attack. Um, uh, the only issue is that when ETH 2.0 comes out, there is a possibility that there could be a 51% attack, which if major bag holders of Ethereum have multiple nodes, if they take all those nodes offline, yep. that can possibly present a 51% attack. Yep. But but the issue of that happening is that the person that's taking those 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 nodes offline, they're actually hit pretty hard with transaction fees. So they actually do lose out on doing that. So the only thing that they would do is just hurt the network. They will hurt themselves, but they're not going to be able to hack and take anyone's money. Right. Ideally, that's it is if the network's big enough and there's no one single player that can that can take over the network. Uh, then you're right. They can't technically implement a 51% attack. Um, but yeah, when in the transition period between one and two or zero and one, there's always that possibility depending upon you know, the ambitions of criminals. <laughs> right. Well, like you said, we're still in the growing phase. There's going to be a lot of uh, friction going on as we continuously um, improve this, these protocols uh, uh, among all the different blockchains out there, there's going to be issues going on. The biggest issue with uh, ETH 2.0 is that <sighs> Vitalik Buterin wants to create something so new. People think that it's so easy to create a, a ETH 2.0. It's not that easy. There's so much 
behind the scenes that needs to be patched up before this can truly happen. So that's why they want to put it put it out in phases. Yeah, a staggered rollout is is usually a good thing when you have a lot of of people involved in a, in a system. Um, I know that in the past some of the, the coins that that um, uh, forked when they forked, even Bitcoin was one of the ones that forked um, to Bitcoin Cash. Uh, I was on Coinbase at the time. I had a small amount of Bitcoin, and it it you know it forked, and then Coinbase was like, well, now we have to give people a little bit of both. So I got some cash and I still had some Bitcoin, um, but I guess it was somewhat in, in a sense early enough in the game that nobody was trying to 51% attack it. Although Bitcoin cash really isn't worth very much and hardly anybody minds it anyways. Um, but you know, it's that, that point where you realize this algorithm is no longer useful to us or you know whatever proof of state, proof of work uh, function we're using to validate the, the, the blockchain isn't appropriate any longer and we have to move to something different. So mm. uh, that's, so, we're just trying to upgrade ETH. We're trying to make ETH better. And I, I have no, has, no issue with that. <laughs> Bitcoin has forked at least 70 times, possibly up to 100 times since its inception. That's a lot, but that's just, that just shows that there's so much improvement. It's still, it's still in the infancy. There's still so much more that needs to be done to make Bitcoin ready for mass adoption. 100 times forked, that's insane. But people want this to happen now. I we, we, I'm sure we all understand. We, want, we all want this to be mass adopted, but it's still not ready. Yeah, some of the problems were in that there may be a, yet another thing that comes out. It would be important to watch this. I hope that the people who are listening to this would consider this in the future, that um, when a new technology comes out like Uniswap, the concept of liquidity pools, that will somehow benefit Bitcoin and or ETH in the future. One of the biggest problems you run into, like the thing that happened literally when Uniswap blew up um, a few days ago, uh, was the ridiculous cost of, of GUI or gas um, when making transactions. And that's something that some coins have tried to remedy, like Nano, which I really liked using. Nano has a fixed flat rate. You never pay more than that. Uh, doesn't matter how big the transaction or how small the transaction, you always pay the same amount. Um, and that was something I was hoping would happen with Bitcoin. But Bitcoin was the was the pioneer. Nobody knew what was going to happen when when you got you know far enough down the line. How would that be a problem? Well, it became a problem. Maybe another token will take over and do what Uniswap did. We'll have to see. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you: if if you had only one choice to make, or either to choose one Bitcoin or thirty two ETH, what would you choose? Well, I mean, 32 ETH is worth quite a bit more than one Bitcoin, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you would choose ETH, right? Well, I like ETH. Uh, I'm, I will say that per my prior comment just now, uh, I don't like having to use gas just to trade ETH. Because if you want to trade any other coin that is associated with ETH, some ERC token, uh, you have to have ETH. And that always bugs me. It's like, well... What if I just want to trade the token? Nope, sorry, I got to have some ETH. I, it was so annoying when I got my MetaMask uh, account and mm -hmm. wanted to use Mana, uh, you know, for uh, Decentraland, and I, ha I didn't have any ETH in the account. So go drop in, you know, thirty bucks worth of ETH, and now you can start tra tra trading Mana. 
So I would say I would probably take a Bitcoin over over ETH, even though I will say that 32 ETH is worth about just just north of the current price of one Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. I'd probably still take the Bitcoin. So you, you did mention Decentraland, and I'm kind of curious. Uh, is Decentraland has NFTs on it, right? Say again? NFTs? Yes. Non-fungible tokens? Yes. 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 Okay. Do you, do you own NFTs? I don't own any NFTs because my first foray into Decentraland failed miserably. Uh-huh. Uh, I was going to make a ton of videos about it, and I just could not get my uh, uh, avatar created. I mean, I, I made a, an avatar, but he's generic. I was trying to pick my name, you know, my my account name, um, and it never went through. I, I sat there and waited, uh, not directly in front of the computer waiting, but I, I made the request, and... It, it just sat there spinning, nothing happening, nothing happening. So I came back like six hours later and still hadn't completed. So I just canceled the transaction. So is, is this like a blockchain transaction or is this like somebody in the back and that has to prove that? Oh, no, it's blockchain. It's a blockchain thing. Blockchain. Okay. But, okay. but per, per the, the whole topic of this podcast, the reason that Decentraland was having so much problem is liquidity. It didn't have ah. a lot of liquidity. Even though a lot of ah. people had gotten into using mana, you know, the, the, the primary token for Decentraland, um, it, it still didn't have a lot. If you were trying to make a five US dollar transaction, you'd be hard pressed to make it. You really need to make a hundred or five hundred dollar US, US dollar transaction within MANA if you really want to get something done. But now that Uniswap exists, and I haven't checked, but I'm sure there is some uh, you know, ETH to uh, uh, MANA uh, liquidity pool. Uh, I'm certain that there is. And, and Uniswap, the concept, as opposed to Uniswap, the token, the concept of liquidity pools and tokenization thereof is only going to get bigger. So if there's one thing to take away from this thing, and I'm not trying to wrap up this, this podcast yet, but I'm just saying one major takeaway from this whole idea is definitely, definitely, definitely look into liquidity tokens because they're only going to get bigger, in my opinion, because of mm-hmm. the huge boon they offer to the cryptocurrency market. Okay. Okay. Um, interesting. Future of cryptos. All cryptos: Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Dogecoin. <laughs> do you know? Do you, do, you, do you have you been keeping track of new stuff that's been coming out, or do you just stick with the the OG coins? Oh, I, I find out when I can find out. Um, my only sponsor for my channel. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Um. He, uh, oh, the ultimate trading guide. I just remembered it. Uh, ultimate trading guide, uh, fellow that sponsors my channel. He, uh, he finds out about the new coins, but this guy's got a, the kind of person I'm not just trying to plug him, I'm basically trying to say an example of a person who has his ear to the uh, ground uh, on cryptocurrencies is really paying attention. So if I hear something new, I usually hear it through him. Uh, he's like, oh, okay. Hey, you gotta check out this, or I'm um, he told me, I think before I ever got involved and he became my sponsor, he told me that ADA Cardano coin was going to just skyrocket. And that's exactly what it did. I don't know how he knew that, but he bet, I think he bet like 10,000 US dollars on, on Cardano and made a hundred grand. So wow. he knows what he's talking about. And that's the reason I have him as a sponsor. Granted, we've known each other for a while, but at the same time, his class and his, his thing that he does, um, 
not I wouldn't say guarantees people to make money, but when I did take his advice in in, in doing my own trading, I never ever lost money. And it's like I, I know I'm not trying to plug him. I'm so, I'm so literally just he said he said the ultimate trading guide is his is his um, guide or guy guide G U I D E. Okay. His his plan and his channel, which is not just a YouTube channel, he does have one, but um, his whole thing is basically training people to look at to find the um, what are the keys in the market to to basically figure out where the market's going. I, now I, I can't guarantee, and I, I, he wouldn't even say it himself. He's like, "There's no 100% guarantee. You're not always going to win, but whatever it is that this man does." does he seems to understand the crypto market and is making money hand over foot. <laughs> um, so I really appreciate the program that he's helped me with. But as an example of a person who knows the market and knows how to, I asked him about Uniswap when it first came out. He, he bought into Uniswap and it was at, I think, uh, 50 cents a coin or a token. And, you know, it went up. At the peak, it went up to $8, I think. And he sold just before what, it hit eight fifty. I think, is where it topped out at. Now, is it going to go up again? Probably. Um, but he did a, a massive transaction and made 50 grand in the first day. <laughs> so it's just like someone really – some people out there obviously have a bead on what's going on with it when, it when it comes to coin. Well, as far as future coins go, that's where I get my future coin information from is, is this guy. Um, but um, – the uh, the coins that I have seen, like I said, Cardano, which is doing pretty well. Let's see where Cardano is currently. That's twelfth. Cardano is currently twelfth on the charts. Um, he also told me to to invest in Binance Coin, which I did a little bit, but it I wouldn't say it's gone up a lot. Um, I was already into Tezos. I figured out Tezos when Tezos came on Coinbase. Uh, they said, hey. Tezos is a staking coin. You should check it out. So I put in $100 in, in Tezos. And, and it takes 35 days to start earning after you stake in Tezos. But it's neat because they have a little um, timer, or not timer, but a counter that actually shows exactly to the, like the hundred millionth of a, of a Tezos, <laughs> you know, percentage decimal mm -hmm. uh, or decimal point, exactly how much you're making every second. So it's kind of fun to watch the numbers go up. Um, he said Stellar XLM was a very good coin to invest in. I put some money in that, but I mean, in the like distant future, I have no idea. It's too far in, in advance. I think we talked about urine finance. Urine fin finance was doing very well. It's dropped below thirty thousand uh, as of late, um, but it was really blowing up you know, a month ago. So speaking about urine finance and all the other DeFi platforms out there, are they here to stay or? Is it just going to be another ICO boom, implode, implosion? You know, uh, I, I only say that because it's skyrocketing so much. And I forgot which website I was using, but when you actually look at the software that these platforms are developed on, a, a lot of this code is pretty bad code. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Uh, so I'm do, sure a lot they... of these platforms. Are they prone to hacking? Yes, absolutely. And this is the thing that most people really realize only too late. Uh, it's where you're like, oh, everything's going fine. And then you get hacked and you're like, oh, what happened? Well, because you left yourself open to uh, abuse. Um, I did that with one of my channels, or with one of my videos. I posted foolishly my private keys and someone took advantage of me. So um, did I expect that most of my viewers were people who would be trustworthy? Yeah. 
um, but some of them aren't. And you, it, it, it's, it's, if you live in a community, I think the example somebody gave a while ago is like, if you live in a community where you never need to lock your front door, and then one day you come home and all your stuff's gone, maybe you should have locked your front door. Um, but mm -hmm. maybe you also needed to learn the lesson of locking the front door. So those companies that are starting these new coins all over the place and, and you know blowing up in value, they will be taught the lesson the hard way if they're not already doing it. And it sucks, but not everybody's trustworthy. So better to be cautious than foolish. <laughs> so do you think DeFi will stay or mm -hmm. is it oh, going to be... It's here to stay. It's the Wild West. It is the Wild West of uh, finance, and it, it's definitely going to be a thing that continues on. I, I think we may have talked about this before, you and I, not not in a podcast, but uh, how uh, there's so much potential for good possibilities within the concept of decentralized finance and decentralized coins and tokens and smart contracts. Um, people were looking for a way of getting around this. I think I may have mentioned this to a while ago. Um, uh, what is his name now? <laughs> I hit that brain fart. Uh, the, I would say the granddad or the grandfather of uh, modern finance. I mean, fiat finance. Uh, now I can't think of his name. I have, I've read his book. Uh, my dad was a, 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 a what's it called CPA. Um, and he encouraged me to read this book. The guy won the Nobel prize in economics in 1976. Um, but regardless of his name, the point he was making is that in the future, and this he recorded this in the early seventies, like 1972 on some TV channel he was on, um, that we needed to get that the world itself needed to get away from banks. They needed to get away from the way that banks were holding money because banks are so jealous and I don't mean jealous like a human be jealous, but they're just, they, they want everything. They want all the money. Um, and we need to make sure that they don't have control over it. We need something that regulates itself. So he talked about what he called an e-currency, electronic currency. Um, and he basically predicted Bitcoin, you know, 35 years before it happened. And it, that idea, his idea that became the reality that we are experiencing now is the way that finance is going, in my opinion. Um, we obviously have to see, but I mean, Bitcoin's been around since 2009, right? And has mm -hmm. it gone away yet? Nope. A lot of people mm -hmm. have said a lot of bad things about it, but mostly the people who are scared of it. There yeah, are, countries have even banned it. Yeah, India just, just talking about that right now, uh, about banning it again. It's like, India, make up your mind, you know? <laughs> I get I get that, that the U.S. was worried about people hiding their finances in it, um, because like I said, as the U.S. is jealous of people taking money from them, um, uh, and they're not necessarily greedy, but they're like, you know, the, the government needs money to run, um, and they would like it if you paid your taxes. Uh, and if you're doing well, then they would like a piece of that doing well. Um, but, uh, you know, there are also dictatorships that will just pretty much force you to give you their money. And so for those people who are in those situations, maybe they want to hide their money because they don't want the government to steal it from them or just, you know, take it by force. Sorry, that's ours now. You live here. That's well, our money. It, well, in addition to that, there's a lot of countries out there that are actually losing 
the value of their own currency. So they're making a sm- smart move by by converting their their fiat into crypto. Yeah, yeah, saving their their uh, being able to save the value of their you know hard work. I guess is a better way of putting it. I mean, it's it's funny to think about this. Money is just a tool. A lot of people think of it as as a saving grace or something to to uh, almost to worship. Um, but it's not money is a tool. And if it's not being used for something, then it's really doesn't actually have value. Um, mm-hmm. even if you had $180 billion in cash value, like, or not cash value, but I mean, effective value, like Jeff Bezos, if you're not doing something with it, I'm sure he is CEO of Amazon and all, he's definitely doing money, something with that money. Um, but if you just have money and you're not using it for it's, it's pointless. So the, the tokenization and the, and the, dollar functional, you know, cryptocurrency movement is a good thing. And I think it will be around for a very long time, unless we somehow nuke ourselves back into the stone age with (laughs) something that kills all electronic devices. Um, But yeah, cryptocurrency is, I believe is here to stay and will only get bigger. So currently, currently Bitcoin has a valuation of $200 billion in comparison to Ethereum having $41 billion. Even though there's so much DeFi being developed on the Ethereum protocol, actually, there's a lot of different blockchains, a lot of different dApps, a lot of different NFTs, a lot of different coins being developed on Ethereum. Ethereum still sets the number two, and it doesn't look like it's going to catch up to Bitcoin anytime in the near future, regardless of how high thousands and thousands of percents of, of all these different blockchains going up. Ethereum doesn't look like it stands a chance against Bitcoin. So Bitcoin's holding number one for the long, long future. At least that's what I think. Do you have anything you want to say on that? Um, I don't have the chart. I'm sure somebody had done this on YouTube to show where Ethereum was when it started, where Litecoin was when it started. For the longest time, Litecoin was the only buddy to, to Bitcoin. Um, and then, of course, Bitcoin split into a bunch of other coin types. And we have you know Bitcoin SV and Bitcoin uh, uh what was the other one? Uh, I can't think of what it's called now. Uh, there's three major Bitcoin types on the market. Oh, cash. That's right. So cash is six. Bitcoin SV is, uh, or gold is 11th. Um, but I, I never saw Chainlink coming. I wish I had. Um, crypto got coin, uh, CRO coin. That's, mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, market cap is uh, 3 billion roughly. Um, Polkadot, that seemed for me came out of nowhere. Um, but there's a lot of coins that could, if they did like what Ethereum is doing, I mean, Ethereum is three times higher than Tether, but I mean, Tether is a stable coin. So it's not really necessarily something you increase in value. Um, and things like, uh, XRP or, or Bitcoin cash or Chainlink, if they position themselves or the people who work with these things, position themselves to be more useful then they could rival Ethereum. But right now, tons of people are using Ethereum for you know all kinds of different tokenizations and smart contracts. And it may very well hold that position. I would not be surprised if Ethereum overtook Bitcoin in, in 10 years um, just because of its utility. Bitcoin's everywhere, but Ethereum's everywhere. So the more you can use a thing, the more likely it is to gain value. The only other thing that it has against it, and that's the reason Doge will never get up to the level it once was, is Doge has no cap. The Dogecoin will continue to be mined indefinitely. 
So they'll but that's, be able- that's that's what's going on with Ethereum right now. Ethereum technically has no cap as well. Right. Currently so, it has no cap. Right. Once it, it does fork to 2.0. Right. I think I'm I'm pretty sure once it forks to 2.0 that the cap will be will be activated and that's whatever's been printed is is out there and that's all there will, ever will be. Yeah, but man. currently there is no cap for Ethereum. Well, think about 42 coin. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but 42 coin, there's only 42 coins of 42 coin. <laughs> I mean, you can yeah. have fractional amounts of 42 coin uh, just like you can with Bitcoin and really every other coin for, for except for like uh, Tether. Um, <clears throat> is that uh, scarcity creates uh, value. So because Bitcoin can only have 21 million tokens or actual you know total uh uh in, integer values although it can have a hundred billion of each one of those so you know satoshi sized pieces um as it decreases in uh availability and becomes more sought after it will go up and now this is the same thing can happen to ethereum but ethereum can be uh lent out in erc token types uh and smart contracts and such if you can expand the functionality of Bitcoin, like you've, like Ethereum's already been expanded, then we have higher potential for its use. Um, yeah. The more use, the more value, and of course, the higher the price. Um, but ideally, and that, I think we talked about this before, with the Tether coin or you know uh, things like Tether and stable coins, um, you really want Bitcoin to be. If it's going to be a currency, it needs to be stable. You know, in, in order to hold value, it needs to stabilize itself. Well, fortunately, somebody decided to make a stable coin, actually many stable coins, but um, so that those things can sit at a flat rate or a relatively flat rate and not have to fluctuate so you can trade against them. I and mean, as the point of creating USD Tether was to have something to, to trade against Bitcoin with. Um, but uh, it, it seems like to me that Bitcoin and Ethereum, Ethereum is the workhorse and Bitcoin is the, the place to store value. <laughs> now, would you, I, well, hold on, I got two things. One, I'm looking at 42 coin right now on uh, CoinGecko and I can't believe it cost 4.307 Bitcoin to buy just one 42 coin. Four Bitcoin to buy one 42 coin. Well, it's the same That's thing insane. as, as uh... What's the other coin we were talking about just a bit ago? Um, you're in finance, right? You're in finance mm-hmm. coin or token is worth 26,242 according to Gecko right at this moment. I haven't updated it in a few minutes, but, um, but it's, it's just a limited number of coins available. So the price goes up. You know, if you, I don't know if there's any coins out there. It's like the one coin. I think they talked about that it was only going to be one of the one coin. <laughs> um, really? And of course, you could fractionalize it just like you can with Bitcoin. But uh, then, like, well, who owns the one coin? Well, if you don't make, if if you if your token or your coin isn't accessible to everyone or easily accessible to everyone, then no one's going to buy it. It's like Swamp Coin. Um, but if it's highly accessible and highly useful, and there's a lot of availability, like Ethereum, then it could be worth a lot. Um, at one point, I I owned. Gosh, I'm trying to think of how many Litecoins. I had a little over 250 Litecoins at one point, but they weren't worth very much at the time. I think they were like like two dollars and fifty cents. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I was happy that I had that because I was mining Litecoin for a very long time. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to sell this. Not thinking that Litecoin would ever be worth, at the, I think at its peak, close to $400 a coin. Um, but I did see the writing on the wall when it came to Bitcoin. Bitcoin's value just kept going up from 2016 all the way through the end of 2017. And so the writing on the wall I saw in 2016, toward the end, I saw at the time, Bitcoin was worth $400 US dollars a coin. And I said, you know what? I think Bitcoin's going to double in the near future. So I bought one $400 Bitcoin at the time. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't have predicted the future. I had no idea it was going to go to 10,000 or 20,000 almost. Um, but I sold to cover um, when Bitcoin reached 800. So I sold half and kept the other half and just let it ride until, until December 19th when I used that remaining half a Bitcoin <laughs> to buy two uh, Bitmain L3 miners for $10,000. Wow. So yes, I managed to just happenstance. No, the plan was just, look, the price is going up. The guy was willing to sell. He had two, two miners. I, I knew I could make money on them. So I bought, I just said, here's a half a Bitcoin and he gave me his miners. But I mean, if I'd held on to it much longer than that, it would immediately drop. And it did, you know, shortly thereafter, the price of Bitcoin dropped from 20,000 down to like 15,000. Well, at least you, uh, you made use of use of that moment. Hmm? Um, as for me, I just, I huddled my back because I still think it's way more than 20, it's valued way more than $20,000. So that's why I ended up holding my bag. And to this day, I'm still patiently waiting, but I'm not just letting it sit in the wallet. I have my stuff invested into the Celsius network where I continuously accrue compounded interest each and every single week. So I'm very happy with that. And that's where, that's where it's at. So yeah. I'm happy with that. Yes, and Celsius is doing well. So uh, I'm glad that you made that decision to, to, to drop it into Celsius or the cell. I just wish, I just wish, well, I live in California. For the listeners out there, I live in California. Unfortunately, in California and other states, we cannot earn sell on our coins. We can only earn uh, crypto for crypto, which is still fine. But I wish I could have accumulated a little more sell because now it's already it's up a thousand percent since the beginning of the year. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, that would be nice. But yeah. you know, there's other exchanges, there's other places to go. So sure. But sell is not um, a bad place to hold hodl, rather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I'm I'm very happy with it. I, I'm I'm more I'm more comfortable with the fact that Alex Mashinsky, the CEO of, of Celsius Network, does come out every single Friday. And has a um, a Q and A every single every single Friday, and it just I think it makes the community more comfortable that there's a face there that's just going to talk about the the next stage of what the platform is going to do. So that, I'm really happy about that. Awesome. Um, I do want to talk to you about uh, about Bitcoin and all the Bitcoin copycats: Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin SV, Bitcoin Gold, Bitcoin Silver, Bitcoin. I think there was like Super Saiyan Bitcoin or whatever it was. There was a bunch of different Bitcoins out there, right? Right. Will would have Bitcoin been more valued valuable now if all these split chains can all these developers from these different alt, uh, split chains from Bitcoin it to continuously improve the Bitcoin protocol or 
would it not have as much value regardless of the, um, the blockchain being improved? I ask this because I remember when all these splits happened and the weird thing is that, yes, there was a lot of money siphoned out of Bitcoin, but at the same time, Bitcoin actually bounced it back up at a higher price value after the splitting. So I'm kind of curious of how that would play out if all these developers ended up staying on the original Bitcoin blockchain and helped improve that. Keep in mind that there are thousands of developers around the world continuously improving code, millions and millions of code each and every single, well, I don't know about every day, but there's a lot of code being written for Bitcoin on the back end. While we sit and watch Bitcoin on CoinGecko going up and going down, there's thousands of developers out there continuously improving the protocol of the Bitcoin network. That's a very long question. I don't even know where to start. Um, well, the, the question is, well, would have Bitcoin retained or gained more value if all the developers remained on the original Bitcoin uh, network? I don't even know if I could answer that question explicitly and, and, and have it be, be a comprehensive response. Um, I, I, I think that Bitcoin is being obviously the first to the table, the kind of just the, like, it's like, um, I'll use an analogy. Uh, I never, if I were to buy a car and I have purchased cars before, I've made the mistake of buying the first type of car, the first revision off the line. Uh, when Scion came out back in the early 2000s, I bought a Scion, one of the very first Scions to come out. It had a lot of problems. And it also cost me a lot more in my insurance because it was the first of its kind. Um, the better stance or the better idea to take action on is to wait until the second or third iteration of a vehicle. Either the, you know, if the vehicle came out in 2003, which is when I bought it, it was actually a 2004 model, but I should have waited until 2006 or 2007 till Toyota uh, sign at the time had gotten the bugs worked out. Um, this is the thing I see with Bitcoin. Bitcoin had bugs. That's why we have all these different versions of Bitcoin. Uh, and it was the first of its kind. So it also had a lot of other issues that nobody even knew would be a problem. Now, when other coins came out, like CoinEth, et cetera, uh, there probably is a coin called et cetera, but nevertheless, uh, the, you, you, I'm not saying you shouldn't invest in the first one. It also depends on how much money you're willing to burn. But will there be better versions later on? There might. It doesn't have to be called Bitcoin. It could be called something else, as there are many other opportunities and many other purposes. Um, but regardless of the development, Bitcoin is obviously still being developed, but it was the first one to the table. Great that it was first. Well, I'm glad we had such a thing exist. I'm so grateful because I mean, I've been so into, into crypto since the beginning of that idea. But, um, and can it be made better? Yeah, it can. Well, we've already, we've already seen versions as you just mentioned. Um, but is it going to be, is it the best? No, it's just the most, most valuable. So it's also the one that everyone's heard of. And how many people have heard of Ethereum? Well, not as many as have heard of Bitcoin. In fact, Bitcoin, the, the word itself is synonymous with cryptocurrency. It is the first. Yeah. So when people hear cryptocurrency, they think Bitcoin. When they hear Bitcoin, they think cryptocurrency. They don't necessarily think Chainlink or, right, or right, Cardano right. or DAI. People who are in it think that. 
people who have a Coinbase account probably think that, but most people don't. Most people think right. Bitcoin is cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is Bitcoin. So because of the popularity of Bitcoin, it continues to hold a massive amount of value. It is also widely accepted throughout the world um, as opposed to literally any other coin. So do I think that it needed to have those? Yes, I'm glad that the other coins broke off from it because it needed to be improved. Will it continue to be improved? I absolutely think it will continue to be improved. Uh, will it ever go away? I don't think it will. It's it's like I said, it was the first to the table. It will probably exist indefinitely until all our computers are destroyed by some um, EMP explosion. <laughs> Assuming that happens, so I, I doubt it. <laughs> I, I haven't read in detail why urine finance has so much value, right? The, the, the Wi-Fi token. I don't know, understand why it has so much value. If even the creator of urine finance says Wi-Fi has zero value, it's to the point now that Coinbase has decided that they're going to add it to their exchange because it has so much value. <laughs> I, I don't understand that. It's mind boggling. Uh, well, I would compare, not necessarily favorably, but comparably, the concept of Wi-Fi, that's W-F-I, or the letter Y-F-I, Wi-Fi like internet. Um, but I would compare it favorably to um, Doge. Or not even favorably, just, just comparably. Um, Dogecoin has no purpose. It's just funny. And everybody knows it, a lot, particularly people on Reddit. People know mm -hmm. the Doge meme from all the memes that people have created. So they know they know it has something to do with uh, the Shinu eBay uh, dog. Um, I think that I might, might, might be mispronouncing that. Uh, Shiba Inu. Anyways, that yeah. particular Japanese dog. Uh, mm -hmm. And they know that it is doesn't have a lot of value, probably. And, you, and a lot of people who are on Reddit know that they can trade and, and, and tip people in Doge. Um, that's about all Doge really is. It doesn't really have a purpose. It just is. And so to me, it's the same thing. Urine.finance. What is that? Well, it's a DeFi, right? Um, but what purpose does it have? Well, does it really act like a DeFi coin? Mm, sort of. Uh, can you earn interest on it? I don't even know. But uh, it, it seems to have fallen into, because of its name, it's fallen into that Doge format of the, hey, this, this thing you know, DeFi finance, you're in finance. It's the same thing. Whether or not that's true doesn't seem to matter because the same thing goes for Doge. It doesn't matter if it's use, if it's just a joke coin. It is a joke coin, but because people know the name, it's popular. I, I think I think it's a lot of FOMO in my opinion. I, I, it's 100%. I, I don't understand year uh, in finance. It, it, maybe I got to just, obviously I need to read up more on it, but it's it came out of came out of left field and it skyrocketed to nearly forty thousand dollars overnight. Basically, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's a it's a joke coin or a joke token, and it just happens to exist and have a name that people recognize. So I could it be just a uh, like fake news sort of? Yeah, it could be, but people still think it's a thing, so it continues to exist. Obviously, a lot of people have bought the token or, or the coin. Uh, so as long as that continue, continues to happen, it's going to continue to be a thing. All right. So next topic and last topic of this podcast, Future of Crypto's 
uh, I want to get into CBDCs and, and, and governments all around the globe creating their own stablecoin. Is who's going to be the first one to the plate, which I think is China, um, but obviously the United States is right behind. Um, India's created all these. There's a bunch of different countries out there creating their own CBDCs. Um, what's your opinion on CBDCs? Are they going to be the new norm when it comes to cryptos, or is it just going to be a back burner where um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin, or all these altcoins, going to stay in the market and stay in the top ten? I, I like the idea that countries make are making their own uh, country-based, you know decentralized currency i think that's a good idea particularly for countries that are struggling uh to keep a a constant value but the problem i would i would go so far as to argue against is if it's supposed to be tied to the value of their coin that's not a good idea <laughs> um if whatever their you know cr currency is created as let's say venezuela or brazil um, or even greece uh, countries that are well, known Venice, to struggle with their... Venice, go ahead Venezuela had their Venezuela had their petrocoin and I believe um, they had the petrocoin backed by uh, the barrel of oil but that kind of fell off the side uh, it fell yeah it didn't work it uh, because of corruption in the government and uh, yes you're, if I would say that if the corruption issue hadn't been a thing then it might have worked but the problem with, and this is my opinion, and it's a political statement, in fact, the problem, in my opinion, with Venezuela is greed. There's so much greed and so much lack of oversight and regulation. And of course, if there was regulation, it wouldn't matter because of the greed and the, and the corruption. Um, you, if, you, if your people, the very people who are in control, don't care about the rules, then it's not going to matter how many rules you put in place because they're just going to ignore them. So the same thing goes for their, for their poor coin. They made a coin. It didn't work. Why didn't it work? Well, because they were trying to fix a problem by making it, by tying it to something that, that couldn't fix the problem. The, you need to fix the systemic problem from within the country itself. And I don't even mean by just ousting the current president uh, of that country. Uh, but by, you know, changing the way people do things change like um one of the things i've noticed not about china as far as the government goes but china as the people go and are all the people bad no they're not um but there's a problem within the way that people think and i've noticed this from the people i've watched stuff about how they work um the example i'm thinking of is um the way that people drive in china it's a very uh, present way of thinking. It's like very, what's happening right now. What's the thing that's happening right now? That's all that that's all that matters. Now, is that true about everybody? No, but for a lot of the people, the generic kind of stereotype is yes. They only care about what's going on right now. So uh, there's no there's not this future thought like oh well I would like my house or my car to be around in ten years. That would be amazing. Well, they don't think that far ahead for some reason. So the same problem goes with Venezuela. If you're not thinking 10 years down the line that your country is going to be improving and having all these great benefits and you're going to help the whole populace and everything's going to be great, you're just thinking about you and yourself right now, then that's why you're having these problems with you know, DeFi not working for you. 
But can DeFi work for a, a, a government in a country that does have moralistic thought? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're not going to fix the problems with crypto, <laughs> is I guess what I'm trying to say. But can crypto help a country? Yeah, I think it can. Okay, so I sent you a link. I want you to check that out. Um, it's in regards to stablecoins um, being uh, passed by the European Union, right? Uh, so I'm going to read this article here. Actually, what they want to do is ban stablecoins until they can truly uh, legalize stablecoins. So it looks like Germany, France, Italy, Spain, Netherlands has came together to draw up, uh, draw up regulations for basically stablecoins. And I think the biggest issue what happened here was that when Libra, Facebook's coin, I'm not is, is it a stable? Is Libra supposed to be a stable coin or is it just? No, it's not. Libraries, you're talking about library, right? No, no, Libra. Facebook's Libra. Oh, Libra. I don't know. I don't know what their thing is. I honestly thought it was going to be a failure. I, I haven't looked into it at all. <laughs> so it's still it's still in the works, and now the the EU has come together to create a framework to to regulate stablecoins because obviously stablecoins are being used everywhere and the government wants a piece of it. So that's where we're at right now. Um, do you know anything about Libra? I, I know somebody works for Facebook, but I don't, I haven't really talked to him about Libra. <laughs> right. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of under the radar right now. The last I've heard was that they rebranded. We still use the name Libra, but from what I understand, they actually rebranded their name to something else. I forgot what the name was. And ever since then, when they rebranded the name, because they want to detach from all the uh, the political turmoil issues that they've been going through, yeah, that, that they've been going through, so they rebranded and kind of re uh, restructured their their protocol, what they what they want to present as what Libra is going to be. So it's no longer going to be um, a I don't want to say decentralized because it's Facebook, so it's always centralized. Basically. It's what, from what it sounds like, they're going to allow governments to have some say in what Libra is going to be. Hmm. Well, Facebook is a monstrous entity, which I don't think even Zuckerberg imagined it would ever be to the, to the level at which it has reached. Um, and when you become that big and that important throughout the world, you start to take on a different, a different identity um, and you start affecting aspects of the world that you might not have imagined. You're like, Facebook isn't a private company. It's a publicly shared company, but it has such a huge effect on the world that it is in a sense, not its own entity anymore. And so at this point, when, when, you know, Libra is becoming a thing and, and Facebook's like, well, we're, we're a company when we want to do this thing. It's like, well, you're going to have to talk to the world about it. Because right. Well, I mean, to create a global a global coin, because I mean, everybody in the world pretty much has not one out of everybody, but uh, Facebook is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Period. Yep. Now, if you have the option, especially in a country that is like a communist country, for example, if you have the option to jump into the Facebook app and do a private one-on-one -on -one transaction without the government's involvement with another person that has a Facebook account and just uh, scan someone's QR code and what. Here's your here's your sandwich. Here's your piece of here's your loaf of bread. The, the government wants in on that. Yep. Right. Yep. And for the time being, it looks like Facebook's going to take all those fees. It, it, yeah. 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 We're we're still 
we're not a united planet yet. <laughs> and uh, so until that happens, and it may be a long time still. So is it a good is it a good thing that Libra is going to be part of our global economy? Well, I mean, it's a part of the of the economy of the people who actually use Facebook to that end. Um, I I don't know. I don't have an opinion. I don't use Libra, and I I won't ever use it. I don't give money. In fact, Facebook barely knows who I am because I I don't really like it that much. Yeah, I I don't have Facebook. The same the same thing because they ask you for so much uh, private information. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, personally, they, I'm at my birthday, so they, they don't know yeah. much. Hon- honestly, I'll ask you while I have a chance because I've been meaning to ask you. Do you happen to know if there's a decentralized uh, social social media app such as Facebook that's out there? Yes, uh, I mean well, I mean library can kind of act like that, but I mean so far as social media goes, I think it was um, uh, Minds. M-I-N-D-S. Minds? Yeah, Minds is a – it portrays itself in that in that sense. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I, I did check there's out more than one, one thing. There is more than one, though. Minds is not – it's just the one that came to my thought. I, I'm sure there's another so there's, one out there. Yeah, there was one that I checked out. That I, 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 don't, I didn't create an account, but I was checking out some YouTube videos out there in, uh, on the Mastodon platform. And it's kind of a, it's kind of like a hybrid between uh, Twitter, uh, Reddit, and and Facebook. Okay. It's it's a hybrid between them all, so it's decentralized. Um, it's still in the works, but it's it's out there. You can create your own your own uh, your own site. And not only that, I think what what it is is that once you create your own site, you create your own laws and regulations within your website, your own your own network, because you're like a network holder. So if you want to ban what people are talking about on your platform, or you can allow people to post and say anything that they want, there is no regulation. You are the regulator of your website. Yep. That would be somewhat interesting. I, I have not uh, looked into that. I should probably check it out. But, uh, well, you let me know. I haven't created, I haven't created it yet, but um, Mastodon. Yeah. Like I said, I, I used Minds. Minds was the one that actually it has been around for several years now. Um, Minds, okay. But, uh, you know, you can sort of do the same kind of thing with library. It's not really a social media. It's more just media. Um, but there are, I'm sure there's more than one. I'm certain that, that there are, you know, Mastodon, Minds, there might be, there might be 10 more. I don't even know their names. I think I did join one at one point. I can't think of their name, but it was for a while you're getting into all these different things that were coin based. Because I was interested in like, how does this one work? How does this one work? These are all coin different things. Uh, that's fascinating, honestly. Um, who, which one of these is going to become the next Facebook? I don't think any of them are. Uh, Facebook's going to stay the next Facebook, you know, when they do their coin thing. But um, or Libra. But it, it, there's a lot of uses, and I think blockchain lends itself to almost every aspect of human life. Awesome. All right, let's get ready to wrap this up. Uh, Jake Jabarelli? Yep. Just a bunch of referral links. Go ahead and plug in your YouTube channel. <laughs> well, I haven't posted in a bit, but uh, yeah. Uh, I have uh, youtube.com slash Jake Jabarelli. That's just a bunch of referral links. Uh, the whole point of my channel is really just anything I want to talk about, but I, because I like cryptocurrency, there's a lot of cryptocurrency stuff on there. There's also some other things that I still get a lot of uh, feedback on. I was doing an open smartphone 
test farm for a while. Nobody created any videos on how to install or create it. And so I created my own. And so I've got a lot of feedback for people who want to use a lot of smartphones for testing. Um, and then, uh, like I said, I did a lot of finance stuff, high yield investment programs. And uh, I just, it, my channel is just stuff. It's not really, you know, not any one particular topic. I just wanted an, an outlet for things I was interested in. So I actually started a new channel recently called Jabberelli Life, which is going to be about real estate and uh, uh, in-home uh, internet of things. So home stuff. Awesome. So with that said, Jake, thank you for being part of my podcast. I greatly appreciate my class is always Sue Casa. You're always welcome to come back. <laughs> Thanks a lot, John. I guess I'll talk to you next time. All right, Kryptonauts, we're out of here. Adios.